you got me thinking if it was really worth it Putting it all at this effort just to end up less than perfect But on our great intentions, something used for our protection Are they just another way to force out imperfections? I guess I'm just effective, pointed in the wrong direction The library in my head has one fucked up selection Now children, pay attention, or you'll receive detention Cause after this, you'll be tested on your own reflection Hello, hello, hello all, and welcome back to the 40 Ounce Fridays podcast. This is going to be episode 65. Hey, how's it going? How's everyone doing? How you feeling this fine, beautiful Friday? Um, I'm assuming by Friday or even by tomorrow or even by uh, today, later today, as of this recording, we will, we might have, you know, a pretty good grasp of who the new president is going to be in America for the next four years, or if we're getting the same one for the next four years, I don't know. But look, I'm not going to talk about politics on here. I just want you to know if you live in the United States like myself and you're worried about it, this is going to be a little safe space just for a little bit. Kick back, relax, and we'll be talking anime this week. Uh, I'm going to be talking about five shows that I've watched or I'm still currently watching as of lately and my thoughts on them. So we're gonna be talking about uh, the final season of Food Wars and how disappointing it was, because it was super fucking disappointing if you haven't seen it. Um, We're gonna be talking about Burn the Witch, which is uh, a new series by uh, Kubo, the creator of Bleach. Uh, We talked about Burn the Witch getting like a little anime special. It It came out a few months back, I think, like a month or two ago, actually now, as of now. But, um... I don't think I ever talked about it on the podcast, so I'll be giving my, a few little thoughts on that, a few little basic thoughts here and there. Uh, I read the manga one shot when it came out a few years back, and I know they have like manga chapters now, like more chapters, like and they're releasing them in like seasons or something like that. But I think we're we'll be getting more manga chapters and more anime episodes, which I hope we do because I'm very very curious about the world of Burn the Witch like how their uh, little society wing bind works, just like kind of how people got really interested in how the soul society worked in Bleach and their little world connection. So there's that. We're going to be talking about the sequel series to uh, Inuyasha as well. So that's two sequel series. We got Burn the Witch because it's technically in the world of Bleach. And then we have um, the same universe as Bleach. And then we have uh, Yashihime, which is the pretty much the sequel series to Inuyasha, Yashihime Princess Half-Demon, and that's that's been out for a few weeks now, or about a month now, because they're like five episodes deep, and uh, it's with their kids, so it's uh, Sushamaru's two uh, daughters, and Inuyasha and Kagome's uh, daughter as well. They haven't named Sushamaru, who's the the mom to the kids. Uh, Hopefully it's not Rin. But uh, we'll we'll talk about that more. Uh, just my overall thoughts of how I think the series is thus far as of, uh, it's five episodes. I'm pretty sure I'm up to date on it as of this recording. So that's five episodes in. Then we're gonna be talking about uh, a new series that just started hitting around the same time, has about the same amount of episodes as Yashihime that I am just falling in love with with each passing episode. We will be talking about Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, Excuse me if I'm butchering the name, but this show, this anime series is great. If you're into shonen and battle stuff and uh, more so like the supernatural and powers and abilities and things like that, and just 
cool little fiends like I am, which is why I like uh, stuff like Yu Yu Hakusho and a lot of early Bleach and even how I, why I still kind of have a soft spot for uh, execution in Bleach. You'll, you'll enjoy this show. It gives off those kind of vibes. And it's just, mwah, just good storytelling right off the bat. Good character development right off the bat. And we're still very, very early in. We're only five episodes deep, so we'll see where that goes. And finally, uh, the thing we'll be talking about more in-depthly this week on this episode is Fire Force. I'm going to be giving uh, just basic thoughts on how I like Season 2 so far. We're, we're pretty deep in the Season 2. Uh, if they do a 26-episode season, we're coming up on the the final arc because the next arc coming up is going to be, what are they on, like episode 17 or 18 or something like that? They're, they're, they're a good chunk in, but it's going to be from wherever they are now up to episode 24. That's what we've learned uh, when they release the key visual for the next arc. So then what, there's going to be two little finish-up episodes after that, and that's the season. So we'll be talking about that and seeing how that goes. But... I more so want to talk about a discussion that I keep seeing going around, that I keep seeing going around involving Fire Force, and that is uh, the idea that Fire Force is poorly paced, or it's moving way too fast, it makes no sense, it sounds like they're making shit up, and I want to talk about why I don't agree with that. Fire Force is a fast-paced series, yes, but it is perfectly executing how a fast-paced series should be made, in my opinion, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, so think of it as kind of like a pseudo-follow-up to way, way back when I did an episode about um, the idea of slow birds and slow starts, like with series like uh, JoJo's Part 4, uh, Hitman Reborn, and Dorabara, stuff like that, that kind of has a slow starter, is like a slow burn, but you get that payoff at the end. Uh, Fire Force is kind of the opposite. It's very quick. It's it's going from point to point to point to point. But I want to talk about why I like why do people think that because it's fast paced, it's too it's going too fast. I disagree with that. We're gonna talk about that. But um, anywho, let's talk about uh, Food Wars final season. Oh, also, I mean, if you uh, follow the art project page. Or follow me on Facebook or whatever. I did say I was going to be talking about the Crown Tundra. Um, I'm saving that till next week just because I was like, I was only at first I was going to talk about Crown Tundra. I was going to give my thoughts on Burn the Witch, and then I was going to do the Fire Force thing, and then I was like, well, maybe I should talk about Yashihime too. Well, maybe I should talk about Jujutsu Kaisen too because I really like it. Well, you know what? I never really talked about how I felt about the final season of Food Wars, and I was just like, you know what? This will just be an anime episode. So I felt like talking about Crown Tundra and then five different anime would be really out of place. So this is going to be an anime-based episode. Um, I don't think it'll be too long. Uh, we're quickly going to go over my thoughts on Food Wars, Yashihime, Burn the Witch. Uh, maybe a little more into Jujutsu. I don't know. But the bulk of the discussion this week is going to be about Fire Force. I don't think this podcast episode should be more than an hour. But you know me. I'm always wrong. I didn't expect the final um, Persona 5 Royal Review episode to be three fucking hours, but then it was. So, I uh, let's just get started. Let's just get started. So we're gonna t <laughs> what? so we're gonna start off with uh, Food Wars: The Final Season. So if you've ever watched Food Wars, you know that it is a series that is one part cooking show, one part shonen one part hella fucking fan service 
all together, mix it up in a pot, and you got mwah, a good series. Uh, Food Wars is an interesting show. It is. It, it feels. It gives off Battle Shonen vibes, but they're having cooking competitions against each other. And every now and then, well, not every now and then, a lot of the time, you got some uh, nice little fan service reactions when they ate that food, if you know what I mean. If you haven't seen Food Wars before, I'm sure you've at least heard of, you know, the reputation the show has. But all in all, honestly, if you watch the show and take it in, it's a very good series. I thoroughly enjoy Food Wars. I thought it was fun. The plot's good. The characters are compelling. My girl Megumi... Come on now, boy. Story of a true underdog right there. I fucking love that character. Uh, and Solo's a cool MC, you know? I, I liked him as a protag. Uh, the series ended... Uh, the manga series, I believe, ended like over a year ago. And then the anime recently ended a couple months back. And I just... One day I was just like, you know what? I gotta finish Food Wars. I hadn't watched season 4 yet. And then season 5 had just recently finished a few weeks prior to that and I was just like you know what let me watch it let me just let me just finish it so I binged through all of season four in like a day because season four wasn't even that long it was like 12 episodes or something like that and then season five was the same thing it was like 12 episodes uh season four was great because it continued the big team show geki between you know Soma and uh Soma and uh Erina and Megumi and Alvini and all the homies, you know, rebelling against Aaron's dad and his evil ways and then the, the, the ten seats at Totsuki. Uh, so it continued off of that storyline. And the series had kind of been building up to that point, if you watch. So you had, like, you know, Soma getting into the school, meeting our series of main, our cast of main characters and their ambitions and their goals. And you had, like, shit like the the autumn selection well you had some of beating people in a series various people in a series of different like shogekis excuse me because they were like hey man this this kid this kid he don't respect the culinary arts like that he a boy from this little family diner he don't know about gourmet dining and you know he was building up a name for himself as a first year and you get introduced to megami and her nerves but deep down she's just a true like chef when it comes down to that homemade oof make your soul just feel joy kind of cooking you get introduced to the aldini brothers and their goals it is a good series and then you have like the autumn selection where you get uh introduced to i forget his name but the dude that cooks with spices and him and soma have this big rivalry to the point where you get to season three and soma finally beats him and it's just such like a victorious feeling you just like yeah you got that nigga finally Fuck yeah, it was great uh, watching that that uh, rivalry compete. Just all the different characters and all their different aspects. Everyone felt really unique. And it all just built up to like being introduced to the Ten Seats, seeing how truly powerful the Ten Seats were as chefs. We already knew about some of them, but we hadn't seen the full list yet or how like truly devastating they could be. And Leading up to that point where Aaron's dad was like, we're going to take over to school, everybody going to follow these culinary rules, everybody going to be happy, no one's going to have to struggle, just like how uh, my mentor and my hero, who was also Summer's dad, felt, or ended up being this and that. Uh, I'm not going to get too into detail about it, like I said, I just want to briefly cover why I didn't like the final season, and it's based around seasons one through four. Seasons one through four 
all link together in this really nice harmony. You know, it was storytelling, step by step. Once you get to that point, if you watch the series and got to that ending uh, Shogeki in season four, where Soma and Erna faced off against the first and second seats, that shit was epic. It meant something, you know? It was like, damn, it's all come down to this, and they gotta show off. They gotta, they gotta work big time. And the relationship Erina and Soma have, I do not ship Erina and Soma, by the way, but I do appreciate that they have a bond. Um, I know people ship them heavy. Megami deserve it. <laughs> you can fight me in the comments all you want. Erina don't deserve that. <laughs> but anywho, uh, just leading up to that point, like you're just like, yeah, this makes sense. This is how the storyline should be. It's like point A to point B to point C to point D, so on and so forth. And we got to that point. And then the gang gets various seats in the Totski Elite 10. Some was like the first seat. Erina is director of the school, which I find ridiculous, but it's Food Wars, so we let it slide. And so you're just... The show could have ended there, honestly. The manga and the anime, I feel like, could have just ended there. We could have just had this idea of like, you know, they, they now are forming various seats in the Elite 10. They're doing their thing and they're gonna keep cooking and going to school and competing and the dynamic of the school system had changed where anyone could challenge someone for a seat on the 10 at any time they chose and they could still work through that and keep working hard and everyone just had a fun time cooking. And I feel like ending it there would have been good because I know people don't like shows that are series that end kind of open where it's just like oh the story's not over but we're not making any more of it and i feel like there's a graceful way to do that and then there's a not graceful way to do that and a not graceful way to do that i would say would be kanichi the mightiest disciple or the manga i think it's called history strongest disciple kanichi but if you've seen the anime Kenichi, uh, The Mightiest Disciple, it didn't finish the storyline, but if you've read the manga, then you know exactly what I'm talking about, and you know my pain. Towards like that final arc, it got really heavy fan servicey because he was trying to hold on to people reading. And the fights, there are a lot of fights that were still cool, don't get me wrong, and the ending point of the last fight Kenichi did, where he truly moved from disciple to intermediate, it felt like Kanichi, the mightiest disciple could have ended there and then they could have had like a sequel series where it's his travels as like an intermediate martial artist like where he's more standing on his own ground he still has a lot to learn but he's not just like strictly a student anymore if that makes sense and it could have been a whole new series the characters could have been improving living different lives doing different missions because they hadn't beaten yomi yet like it kind of just the confrontation ended so it felt like the ending of like a stage you know what i mean kind of like you know how dragon ball leads in the dragon ball z but all together in the manga it's still just called dragon ball it felt like they could have done that except a lot longer because kanichi at that point was like over 500 chapters but it felt like the story didn't need to end there or it shouldn't have ended there and then it fucking did it was it was really weird like the next chapter it just showed like a little it was like a, a short time later after the events of that final arc and it showed what Kanichi and everyone else is doing. And Kanichi was like, I can't wait to meet up with everyone again. They're training at the dojo. And then it's like, a sh the final panel is like a shot of Kanichi's arm writing like a book. And he looks like an adult because his arm is shredded as fuck. He looks huge. On the table next, you can see a picture of like 
him and Miyu, they got married, they had a kid, and he's like, and thus my journey is as like an expert level martial artist or something like that happened, but that's a story for another time. And then the series ended. <laughs> and tangents aside, I'm sorry, I had to bring that up. It was just like, that is not how you make an open-ended story. I'm sorry. Um, how would I recommend an open-ending story? I know people don't like the ending of the series either, but I feel like at least this one ended a lot more gracefully than Kenichi did, and that would be with Hitman Reborn. Um, like I said, the pers the one personal thing I would do is make the second to last arc the last arc, and then the, s the last arc the second to last arc. I feel like the storyline would have flowed a lot better with that idea because the second to last arc involved like the history of the Vongola family. Sorry if all of this sounds foreign to you if you haven't read or watched Reborn. Uh, the last two arcs weren't even animated. You have to read the mangas for them. But it showed like the history of uh, the Vongola family and then like another family that had close ties to them in their history and like this key villain or uh, enemy within that led to kind of like this dispute or bad history with them and they got these new power-ups and it was really dope it felt like that could have been an ending because a lot of the stuff happening with the vongola family and stuff in hitman reborn had been more of an internal conflict within the gang itself within the mafia itself whereas uh this arc focused heavily on just like this complete other family coming out of nowhere and becoming a problem and then the last arc focused on um, the the babies. I forget what they're called. The 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 babies that the the pro assassins that got turned into babies and shit like that. And that conflict gets solved, and then that's like the last arc. I feel like it should have been flip flopped because it feels more impactful to have like this external other gang and the history tied with the Mongola family and their own like clash especially with the way the last arc ended and then you could have had those final chapters i didn't mind it being open-ended i didn't mind like suna still is growing but as far as the reader is concerned this is the end of the story like nothing crazy is going to happen from here he's just you know continue to gonna continue to grow continue to become a better person until he grows up becomes an adult becomes uh the leader of the family officially and they could have had a chapter where it did time skip and we finally do get to see Suna as an adult because we never saw it in the fucking uh, art where they travel into the future and stuff. We never saw him as an adult and they intentionally, the, the writer, she intentionally did that. But I would have loved to see that. So yeah, there's, but I feel like that ending was a lot more graceful because it felt like, um, it felt more heartwarming. It felt more like, oh yeah, like you're saying goodbye to some good friends, but you know they're going to be well off. Whereas Kenichi is just like, dude, there's so many unanswered fucking questions. <laughs> there's, like, there's so many things left to discuss here. But um, the reason why I bring those two things up and compare it to Food Wars, the final season, this is not how you fucking make an ending. Um, season four would have been, I would have felt, if, if, bleh, if the show had ended at season four, that part of the story, manga and anime, I felt like it would have bowed out gracefully, where it's just like, they're not done growing as people, but hey, you know, that's the story. They they changed the way the school worked. They changed the way a lot of people thought about fine dining, cuisine, and how the cooking world should be. And it was very impactful. So that major conflict had come to a, a close. So they were just going to live their lives as was. 
And you could have ended the series there, and people would have been like, you know what? I like that. I enjoyed that. I feel like a lot of people would have enjoyed that, because I, I, I know I did. I thought season four ended really well. And it concludes, it comes full circle, and it concludes that storyline. Season five is so disconnected from the rest of the series, and it's so weird that it is disconnected, because so many characters from seasons one through four make appearances and it just feels so disjointed it feels like ugh, like they just threw this together i can't speak for the manga personally but i know uh this last arc it's called uh blue just for context blue is like this world-class cooking competition in the world of food wars and all these chefs go to compete and uh four people from totsuki uh get special invitations to go Erina automatically was gonna go. She was the director of the school, and shit was going down. And then everyone at the school was going to be able to compete for the three other spots open for them to go to Blue. And the people that win the spots are Soma, or yeah, Soma, uh, Aldini, uh, and uh, Megumi, my my homegirl Megumi, of course. Uh, she actually got the number one spot in the blue prelim entrance thing. She 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 was the best in the school, earned that slot. And the first problem with this season is not the fact that it's disjointed. It's the fact that it's so short. And I believe in the manga it's even short. It's like 30-something chapters. But the anime is like, I think, 12 or 13 episodes for the final season of Food Wars. It's not very long. And I feel like that really hurt it as a whole. Because with season four of Food Wars, it was fine that it was only 12 episodes because it was continuing off a storyline that had already started. So it was just going from there. They were starting a whole new part, like a whole new arc this season, completely disconnected from what was happening prior. And they didn't have enough time to do it. And I'm, I'm not about to get into any more detail about it, but just, just point out a lot of glaring issues. Uh, the prelims for getting the top three spots at Totski into blue is one fucking episode. And it just feels like a rehash. It feels like the poor man's um, version of the preliminaries for the autumn selection. If you watch Food Wars, you know what I'm talking about. The autumn selection, they had the prelims and everyone had to turn in their dishes and they got graded and the top spots got to go be the top eight for the autumn selection. That's what the prelims for blue was. But it was so fucking thrown together. You know how everyone had like at least a scene in the prelims for the autumn selection, like Soma's uh, homeboys from the dorm, Soma and Megami's homeboys from the dorm dormitory. They got to show off their skills, and they all got their subtitles. And Mikumi showed up, and you know everyone, everyone got a little flex, even if they didn't make it into the top eight. They tried to do that with Blue, but you don't see any improvement from anyone besides Soma, Takumi, and Megumi because they're the three you're going to be focusing on for the rest of the season. And then even Takumi and Megumi feel like afterthoughts compared to what's happening. And I feel like that's because they were so limited on time because they only had 12 episodes. But, um... And it's literally just like, uh... What's the word? Um, a montage of what happened at the autumn selection. They even reused the little metaphorical, like, oh, it's as if he's like the Prince of Smoke. If you if you know that line, 
Um, they it's shit like reused from the autumn selection. Those exact metaphorical like scenes of them eating the food and like imagining like the style of their cooking. Like it's those scenes over and over again for everyone that's not important this season. Like, look, everyone's here, but don't fucking worry about them because they're not important. Even like a Spice Boy, like I, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting their names, and the dude that cooks with the seafood that were like big, kind of like rivals for Soma and the other like higher up chefs. They don't get to go, and they're just not fucking important. <laughs> and it just felt so weird that these characters that you see kind of grow and develop throughout the series are just so quickly thrown to the wayside. Like, fuck them. Don't worry about it. And so then they get to Blue, and Blue is so rushed. It's so rushed, because they're trying to mash so many things together. They're trying to make sure Takumi gets some shine and that he's important. They're trying to make sure Megumi gets a little shine and that she's important. They're trying to make sure you understand uh, the storyline between Arina, her mom, who is the leader of the world, like, gourmet organization that's doing the whole thing blah 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 she's been behind it she's like that that end-all be-all like food taster and shit like that and her backstory and this other dude who wants to marry Arina, who becomes kind of like the villain of that arc but i don't really give a fuck about him because i don't know enough about him and then he doesn't like soma because let, let me tell you why this nigga doesn't like soma i fucking hate this guy i forget his name Fuck him, I don't care about him. He's not even a real chef. This dude's ability was like, uh, what's that guy? That homeboy that could use Trace? Except the dude that could use Trace was still trying to, like, improve as a chef himself. This main villain in this final season, okay, so he's a part of, like, this dark <laughs> cooking organization. They're, like, underground chefs. And these people are fucking ridiculous. Like, one of them cooks with a chainsaw. Sounds just like that. Sounds just like that motorcycle driving by. Uh, <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. And instead of trace, he can like literally like, uh, he could trace somebody's like cooking style by holding their knife. He can understand everything they are as a chef and use their cooking style to the fullest extent. But then he can use that with another person's knife or whatever cooking uh, tool they use and use them both together. And it's called cross. So he can make all these infinite possibilities of cooking but it's just like dude you're just a fucking imitation at the end of the day which is what happens soma and him face off in the semi-finals and they have to make a dish that like combines the top five like culinary tastes of the world and people are like oh that's impossible and he made whatever i forget what he made but it looked fucking disgusting it was like this nasty ass pie thing um so and just to sum up what happened the reason why Homeboy lost was because even though he had the abilities of all these people and he could copy them, it felt empty. He didn't have a dish that was truly his own. It was just like this thing that he made that was textbook, you know? It, it didn't it didn't have his passion brought into it like how Soma could do that. And Soma was truly crafting his own cooking style near the end of the show. But again, it's so rushed. You don't get time to like understand who that character is. Oh. The reason he hates Soma, too, um, fuck this guy, he knew Soma's dad, Soma's dad would visit, like, the orphanage he, he was at, and that's how he was inspired to cook, and Soma's dad would visit him often, and train under him, but we find out he, Soma's dad, like, eventually leaves, and he's like, I have to go back home, I have to take care of my son, because Soma's mom died, 
And they don't really explain it in the anime. They do in the manga, I believe, because uh, I, I looked it up because I was curious if it was ever explained. She had a heart condition or something like that. And one day when they were opening up the store, she like had a fall or something like that due to the heart condition. Um, so she she was just ill. It was just happens of circumstance, you know. It it, it was sad. It was because I always wondered about Soma's mom, and I feel like I would have cared about that a lot more too. I still cared because I cared about Soma as a character, but I would have cared about that event a lot more had we learned more about Soma's mom earlier instead of in this like thrown together 12 episodes so it was just like yeah Summer develops through this season and he finally gets his own true cooking style due to all the trials he's been through throughout the series but it's like ugh, the payoff of it in this season felt so like eh because it was so fast you didn't really truly see that it was kind of just like oh Summer succeeded again you know there wasn't any build off or like build up or payoff for it it wasn't like oh wow like seeing that happen was cool like when he beat spice boy finally like there was build up to that they had these confrontations and conflicts and that rivalry that really like pumped itself up until that season three show geki they had um with this it was just whatever he just kind of you know did his soma thing and won also like soma's dad lost to this dude due to cross it is weird, bro. People are losing that, like, were regarded as, like, these high-class chefs. And you don't even really get to see the Shogekis. Like, the number one seat at Totsuki previously, he had, he's graduated at this point because they're second years now. He was already a third year. But um, he was at Blue because, you know, he's a top chef. And he was doing his thing. But the first actual Shogeki we see him in in that season, he fucking loses to the dude that can do cross. So they just took, they fodderized them. They they did them like a Goku rival, you know what I mean? You know how, like, Hit was, like, the shit when Hit came out in Super? And then in the Tournament of Power, they fucking hoed Hit? That's what they did to the first seat. Like, he is supposed to be, like, this powerful dude. And I understand, like, in the real gourmet world, once they graduate, like, there's going to be stronger chefs out there. But they didn't even really show anything from him. The only Shogeki he had that season, he just lost. And I fucking hated that. And Takumi, uh, he had his moments. He had an episode with his brother and the bond they shared. And then, like, the bond him and Soma shared and how different they were as people. It made for, like, a unique cooking style. That was an interesting episode. I liked that one. Anything involving Megami was cool. Megami, they hoed Megami this season, though, because they built her up. Like, they built her up as such a great underdog character. And I love Megami throughout the series. Because she gets more confidence in herself and improves as a chef overall with her natural talents. And she was, you know, like the top person in the prelims for Blue. Uh, she crushed one of the Dark Organization members. But how Takumi got a, a whole episode with the Shogeki he won before he immediately loses on the next Shogeki he does against Arina. Megumi wins, a show, wins her first Shogeki that we see in this season... And then in the same episode, loses to the guy who can do cross. So they, they just had Megami thrown into an episode where, oh, look, she won. Oh, look, she lost. So I'm just like, wow. What was the point of Megami and Takumi being there? They, they had no development. They had no real stakes. They were just there because, you know, they were Soma. They were Soma's homies. Uh, so 
it was boring. And then don't get me started on the plot of like Erida's mom, you know, she had the god tongue and it was a thing that ran in their family and it was rare for the fact that Erida's mom and then like her daughter, like the direct next generation had the god tongue. And it got to the point where her mom's god tongue was so potent that most food tasted disgusting to her and she she could hardly eat so she was always weak and they had to feed her like nutrients through ivs and shit and the reason why she's the leader of the world gourmet organization is because she's looking for someone to make a truly gourmet dish that she can taste and love and have them be her personal chef and this is going on and so they threw that in and i was like that would have been more interesting had we known about it had the season been longer like had this season even been like 26 episodes it would have been a lot better and how erina's grandpa totski had already been established they had already been in the cooking business so it's not like the school was built for this but a lot of the most of the students that we see throughout the series like especially like the first years um, were low-key, they, they were all talented in their own right, some of the Takumi brothers, the Aldini brothers, um, Megumi, all of them, they were all talented in their own right, but they were low-key scouted by Erin's grandpa, because he believed this next generation could possibly hold the chef that could save Erin's mom from, like, that curse of her god done. so they made it, like, this kind of, like, oh... This was organized from the start to try to link it all together. And I fucking hated that. That was so unnecessary. In the end, Erina and Soma have their final shogeki at the end. Soma makes this ultimate true dish, like his own style dish. And Erina's, you know, like actually enjoying cooking during this last episode instead of just like, I have to do this to save my mom. And he breaks her out of her funk. And she ends up winning blue, but we don't see what she fucking made. And I also hate that too. And... Soma leaves the school to go travel the world and improve on his cooking techniques and we kind of get a montage of everyone and at the end Soma comes back to the diner and everyone has a reunion. It, it's just really rushed. It's a mess. I didn't think I would have been talking about that as long as I did, but dude, I fucking hated that last season. That last season was so poorly made. Um, I can see what people were talking about with the manga. The manga does have three kind of epilogue chapters. So I kind of want to read them. I want to read the differences between like the last, the blue arc of the manga and the blue arc in the anime, because I believe people said the endings were different as well. And then I want to read the, the the epilogue chapters, so I can get a feel for what. Because they're like time skip, time skip. I believe in like the epilogue chapters. They're like in their twenties. So I'll update you on that if I end up reading those anytime soon. But yeah. Um, didn't think I would have so much to say. I, I fucking didn't like it. <laughs> I did not like it. Uh, let's move into something I did like, though. So we're going to talk about Burn the Witch. Burn the Witch is, is good, man. It's good. Um, this one will be quicker because there's not a lot of detail with it. Whereas I had so much pent up about the final season of Food Wars in comparison to its other four seasons. Burn the Witch has a manga one-shot, I think like a season one-esque set of chapters what a season two is set of chapters on the way and that's only a couple of chapters that i have not read yet i read the manga one shot but we're mainly going to be talking about the three anime episodes that came out they kind of form together into a movie you're kind of supposed to watch them all in one sitting uh i dig it i dig it um if you don't know much about burn the witch don't worry not a lot of people do um just because of the limited information and the limited amount of episodes and chapters but 
it's supposed to be connected to the Bleach world, like, in the same universe. They're kind of supposed to be, like, the Western branch of the Soul Society, in a way. Uh, so they do stuff on a different part of the world. Which brings up a lot of questions about the Soul Society, because of the old souls. So I think it's supposed to be kind of, like, this pseudo-connected universe, or, like, differences between, like, the Soul Society there and the Soul Society over there. Or maybe it was always just intended that way. So maybe we'll they'll bring up the Soul King to burn the witch. Who, who knows? If it's really that deeply interconnected. Or maybe it's just an Easter egg at the end of the day. Who knows? But, um... I can see, like, it being connected. Because one thing, real quick, that I'll bring up about Burn the Witch in comparison to Bleach is that, uh... In Bleach, they had Keto. So, Keto is kind of like magic or incantations that the Soul Reapers can train to learn to use. So, you have, like, uh... The binding ones, you know, kind of like the defensive ones where they could, like, bind you, trap you up, seal your powers. Or uh, the, the attack ones, like, you know, Renji with his point-blank shaka home and shit like that. And so cut sweet! <laughs> Pale fire crash, all that good shit. Like those incantations, like a lot of the Merkito Masters, I Ichigo never learned Keto. He should've, but he never did. Um, and Burn the Witch, it seems like they... It seems Burn the Witch seems like a lot of like the, the characters that work in Wingbind are more like magic or incantation based. Uh, I could be wrong, because there's eight different squads and we haven't seen all of them. Like in Burn the Witch, we only saw uh, our two main characters, Noel and Nini. Uh, they're Pipers, so they're a part of that division. And then there's that one guy, the leader of uh, the Inks. His name is Bruno. So we've only seen like those two really, but there's mention of a group uh, called the Sabres. So they kind of have like a structure like the Soul Society, where the Soul Society had the 13 Court Guard squads. And if you if you look it up, it's mentioned in series, and I'm sure they mentioned it in like novels too. But if you if you aren't like huge huge on Bleach lore, if you look it up, like you can go to Wikipedia or Google, there's probably videos about it too. Each court squad has like a a certain thing they represent, and they're supposed to do. Like some of them are obvious. Like with Mayuri's squad, they're the research division. They're the science division mainly. And then Kimpachi's squad, they're they're fucking all about the brutal combat. They're like, Keto, fucking Keto, nigga, we slicing you up. Like, I don't... But, you know, there's people who focus on, like, the squads that focus on execution. Like how Izuru didn't really like using Wabisuke in the way he did. But, you know, sometimes you gotta do it. That's why it's called now Raise Your Head Wabisuke, because when he slashes you with the sword, it multiplies your weight until the point where you can't stand and you're bowing down to him. And then the way the sword's kind of shaped like a hook... He puts the hook under your neck while you're bowed down and crushed by that weight and decapitates you. He executes you. So there's shit like that. There's lore behind the court guard squads if you really want to look it up. It's really interesting. I recommend it. Ble Bleach lore is good. If there's anything Kubo does right, it's his lore. Bleach, Bleach lore is very interesting. But they seem to have a similar setup in Burn the Witch. where uh, I, I, was, I looked it up on Google because I was like, do we know about all eight um, squads in Wingbind? And there, yeah, there's eight. There's eight squads, not twelve. I'm assuming there might be more, just because there was something interesting I saw about the divisions. So there, in the divisions of Bleach, I'm reading this off the Wikipedia page. So some of this information might not be fully accurate. I need to look into it more, but because these weren't, this wasn't detailed, explained in detail in the anime episodes, because 
I think they're testing the waters to see if there should be more made. But, um, Divisions. Witches and Wizards. They're, they're Witches and Wizards in this world instead of Soul Reapers. So that's, that's interesting. So the branch does stuff. But, oh, sorry. I got off topic with the Keto. Real quick. Um, I feel like one thing that could link the world is the idea of Keto being used by the Soul Reapers and Bleach. Could be a similar magic system to the magic we see in, um... Burn the Witch, because Ketos are, are numbered. It's like, oh, Bakudo number such and such, this, 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 that's how you do it. And Burn the Witch, I believe they're the incantations and spells Noel and Nini were casting also were numbered. So it's just like, oh, so maybe that's a link. They just kind of have either different incantations because it's in a different part of the world, so different magic-based systems and different spells are taught. Or it's the same similar spells but different names because it's in a different part of the world. So I thought that was interesting and I wonder if they'll touch down on it more. But uh, yeah, they're witches and wizards and they work for an organization called Wingbind. Uh, but Wingbind could also, the WB could stand for West Branch as in West Branch of the Soul Society. That's the big little Easter egg for Burn the Witch. So that was cool. I liked that a lot. And um, they're pretty much, they're, they live in like this kind of like reverse London. That's how their soul society is described. Um, and they can travel to and from like the real London and the, the reverse London. And they're separated into divisions. And the divisions are all based on the idea of uh, protecting the people from dragons, protecting dragons and conserving certain dragons, you know, keeping them safe and keeping them out of the way of people. And if need be, for like dragons like that are dark dragons or more powerful than that, execute dragons. And each squad focuses, each division in Wingbind focuses on a different aspect around the organization, all based off uh, dragons. So that's what they do. And people are saying dragons might be like some kind of spiritual being that could be related to Hollows. We don't know yet. Like I said, there's not enough detail. And again, there is a connection between Bleach and Burn the Witch. But I don't know how deep Kubo plans to make it. I don't know if he's like, yeah, this is literally in the same universe. Or this idea of like, oh, it's the West Branch of the Soul Society. is kind of just like more of an Easter egg thing or an homage to the Bleach idea. Who knows? We need more information. Or at least I do. But um, there's eight divisions. But I think there might end up being more or something. Because also from reading the Wikipedia page... Each division uh, is represented by a zodiac symbol. There's 12 zodiac signs, and there's only eight divisions, so I'm like, huh, I feel it kind of weird that they would leave out four zodiac signs. Maybe the zodiac the other four left out are going to be used for something else, maybe higher ups in the organization, like kind of like a top four thing, I don't know. But I thought it was weird because I was like, you could have had like, you know, the 12 zodiac signs and maybe like, kind of like some celestial leader represent like a 13th or if they wanted to use that 13th sign that a lot of a, uh, astrology practitioners don't really talk about much because they don't count it like my girlfriend she's super into astrology she's like yeah don't worry about that shit uh, a lot of people use it in like media for stories and stuff but they don't really count it in actual astrology they could use it for that and it could be like their version of the 13 court guards so I don't know yet, but um, 
I thought this was interesting, so I wanted to bring it up to people. So they have eight divisions. So if you're a Bleach fan, you'll you'll definitely get the Bleach vibes of the 13 Court Guards. So Witches and Wizards are divided into eight divisions, each with different responsibilities, that are led by the directors comprising of the Top of Horns. So the Top of Horns, I guess, are kind of like the leaders. They're like the, the squad captains. So here are the eight divisions. And... These are very short paragraphs, some don't really even have information on them at all, because like I said, there's not enough info quite yet. So we have the Inks, uh, Japanese for Sorcerer, in Japanese they're the Sorcerer Squad, or the Magic Circle Corps. They're led by Bruno Bang... 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 bang they're led by Bruno. <laughs> Kubo with these fucking names again, I swear to God. They are tasked with exterminating dark dragons and fight primarily using powerful magic. Inks wear baggy, dark-colored hoodies and sweatpants with zippers and have the ability to shield themselves with magic. They are represented by the zodiac symbol Taurus. So, yeah, uh, from the from what I saw in the Burn the Witch specials, uh, uh, Bruno and the Inks, they kind of have, like, spray paint cans. So they, their design is definitely based off kind of like, you know, graffiti artists, essentially. But they can spray ink, like, even in the air and make, like, magic circles or incantations and cast different spells through said ink and shield themselves with it. So I thought it was cool. And then he wears his mask and it's kind of supposed to be kind of, you know, like, oh, little mask to protect his uh, mouth from breathing in the paint. So I thought that was dope. And like I said, they're represented by the sign Taurus. Everyone's every division is represented by a different zodiac sign. So the anthems. Um, I'm very interested in the anthems for two specific reasons, but there is nothing very much known about them according to what we see on the wiki. Uh, the anthems in Japanese they're called the Cursed Song, Song Squad, and in Viz they're the Incantation Corps. Are led by Roy B. Dipper, and are represented by the zodiac symbol Capricorn. Boy, I'm a Capricorn, so. Uh, I'm interested. I'm interested. I want to know because I am a Capricorn. The anthems. I'm super into music. I'm like Cursed Song Squad. What, what they be doing out here? And also, the leader of this division. We've seen him uh, when the eight division leaders, or most of them that were there, were talking about something. They were holding a meeting. Roy B. Piper Dipper is the fucking is a black dude. So hell yeah, I'm fully down. <laughs> dope black power black power love it love it you'll love to see it and my zodiac sign i'm interested give me more burn the witch please uh the sacreds japanese they're called the liturgy squad and in viz they're the liturgy corpse uh core led by quin quinton quintonire mill the name is spelled C-Q-U-N-T-N-I-R-E. What the f- Kubo, please. <laughs> You're fucking with me, man. You're making me feel dumb because I can't pronounce these names. Um, but they're represented by the symbol for Aquarius. The Pipers. Now, the Pipers are where Noel and Millie come from. So this is- This section is the one we have the most information on just because Noel and uh, Nini are Pipers. Uh, the Pipers, in Japanese, they're called the Flute Player Squad. In the Viz media, they're called the Minstrel Corps. The Minstrel Corps. Uh, also known as Conservation Rangers, our Government Protection Service. Or con 
conservationists. They're led by Trombone Takinen. Takinen? This nigga's name is Trombone. Um, <laughs> and oversee the domestication of dragons and help harvest the resources they produce. In addition to apprehending illegally reared dragons. Noel and Nini are both a part of this division. Billy Banks Jr. is their commanding officer, having been demoted from his position in the Sabres. Their standard attire includes a shepherd's check pattern mantle and a trumpet-like pipe. Additionally, they are unconventionally shaped guns called, uh, they wield unconventionally shaped guns called witch kits, or magical focus. They are represented by the zodiac symbol for Aries. So yeah, we, we have the most information about them. They do have the pipes and they can blow them to do certain abilities and then they could flip them to turn them into like their weird little guns and that's how they cast their incantations. So they're, they're, they're essentially kind of like wands in a way with a twist. And, and um, there is a system where different people in the, the divisions in Windbind, Windbind can uh, get achievement points pretty much and if you, uh it's not specifically stated but if you get enough points you can get certain promotions maybe you can even be put into another squad as they said here billy banks jr used to be a part of the sabers until he got promoted or demoted so it seems like i don't think there's like a hierarchy system quite yet that we see but it seems like the pipers are kind of like lower end because they're more they're more of kind of like a I don't want to say like a policing force, but more of just kind of like a defensive kind of thing. Like they they make sure nothing illegal's going on. And then uh, when there's more danger, they usually call in like people like the Inks or the Sabers, which we'll get into in a second, because the Sabers are next. Uh, the Sabers Jap uh, in Japanese they're the tactical squad, and this they're the tactical core, and are led by Sullivan Squire. Thank you, finally a name I can pronounce. <laughs> patrol the streets of London to protect its citizens from dragons. Billy Banks Jr. was promoted to the Sabres after Noel and Nini defeated Shelby, but was later demoted due to laziness. <laughs> they are represented by the Zodiac symbol for Scorpio. So, uh, the Sabres sound cool. I, it's, they sound more of like the offensive course, like they're, they're, they're more, uh, let's get in there and get that action. <laughs> Like, they sound more of like a police force, or more like a military kind of police force. That's that's what it seems like. Whereas the Pipers are kind of lower on the scale. Because, especially with Nini, throughout what I saw in uh, the three episodes special, they she seemed to wanted to get promoted. She wanted to... They were like, no, it was more by the book. She's kind of more of like a calmer with her emotions character. I would I'd probably compare her a little more to Byakuya, if I could compare it to a character. Nini is uh, a lot more aggressive and just like, yeah, da, 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 like more wild. And she's Noel Sr. in the Piper Corps. Uh, but Nini seems to want to get promoted to Sabres or do more so they can get more acknowledgement and get bumped up. Like, we could be Sabres. We could do this. We don't have to be stupid Pipers. Because Nini's like, well, let's do this and get in on that action. And you know get known you know put in that work and Noah's like okay but pipers aren't this isn't our jurisdiction shit like that so it seems like pipers might be i don't want to say cena is lower but they have their specific job that they need to do and not worry about other stuff and let people worry about that stuff that more pertains to that work if that makes i butchered that but pipers have their duties 
they shouldn't be doing the stuff that Nini wants to do, but she wants to be a saber. Um, and we haven't we haven't seen a saber fight yet from what we saw in the three anime specials, but they seem like they're supposed to be powerful. Like they seem like they're supposed to do work. I'm assuming they fight with swords. Maybe they got magic swords. Uh, <laughs> but then we got next we have the patchworks. The patchworks uh, in Japanese they're the development squad and Viz are the development core. They're led by Saka Rin. They are charged with collecting and preserving corpses of dragons. So they seem like they're going to be more of like the research squad. Like they're going to study the dragon corpses, maybe develop new tools to fight against them, new tools to better, you know, help society. Shit like that. That's what I assume from them. Uh, the billionaires. The Japanese for accounting squad. In the Viz, they are the accounting core. Led by Heri Shake Shake Shake. They uh, are represented by the zodiac sign for Leo. Oh, Patrick, they didn't say what zodiac sign they are. I just noticed that. But yeah, the billionaires do that. So maybe they're not more. Maybe they're not combat focused. Uh, it could be something you know, like a how Squad Four and Bleach. They're more of like the the medical squad. They have powerful soul reapers within their squad. Like you know, <laughs> their captain of their fucking squad. She puts it at work. She was Kimpachi before Kimpachi was Kimpachi. Uh, if, especially if you've read the last arc to Bleach, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but, um, who knows? They could all be combat ready, but, you know, focus their divisions on other things. And then um, last we have the Gallows. Japanese for Personal Affairs Divine Punishment Squad. They're led by Wolfgang Slashhot. And they're represented by the Zodiac sign for Libra. So they seem like an execution squad. Uh, they go out for the kill. <laughs> what is it? Or maybe they're in sign for torture. Maybe if someone within the organization fucks up and is on the run or is doing something they shouldn't be doing, they go out and deal with it. Who knows? But um, those are the eight divisions. And I, I'm very curious about them. I want to know more about these divisions and what each of Division's abilities, you know, have in store for us. Also, it seems like all the witches and wizards uh, have the ability to ride dragons. They have their own like, personal dragons. But it seems to be divided by power. Like, I guess it, the stronger you are, the more powerful of a dragon you probably can control. Because Bruno had a... Oh, excuse me. A big-ass dragon. <laughs> that thing was big. Uh, it wasn't, like, gigantic, but it was a big dragon. And he could ride on its back. Whereas Nini and Noel's dragons, they're more like they're a lot smaller and they're more like broom style. They look more like witches than anything, which is why I think the pipers might be like lower down, or they're just weaker pipers. Who knows? But it also seems like you don't necessarily have to stick with one style of fighting because if Nini, what Nini was saying, she's like, we could be sabers. So it's like she doesn't necessarily like oh i only can use a pipe if i guess with training you can use other weapons so i want to know more about it i'm honestly really interested in the lore and i like the style of reverse london like i said my favorite kinds of stories involve kind of like city settings or small town settings like with jojo's part four jarara a lot of early yu yu Hakusho, show chapter black of yu yu Hakusho. same thing with blue i like those vibe i like the supernatural shit happening in a city vibe I, I, I enjoy that stuff, which is why I like Jujutsu Kaisen, which we're about to talk about <laughs> in a little bit. But, um, 
Yeah, Burn the Witch is interesting, man. Uh, I recommend watching the episodes. They're on Crunchyroll. It's three episodes for 30 minutes each. So I, I say watch them all in one sitting. It's like an hour and a half long movie. I'm eventually going to read the manga chapters just to see uh, the differences and what else we have in store. They have in store for the story. But Kubo, man, I hope you keep working, working on it. I hope things uh, continue to go well. And I wish the best. Kubo, Kubo... If there's two things Kubo does great, it's his lore. Not necessarily world building. His world building is pretty solid too. But the lore is always really great and really interesting. Like Bleach's lore is fucking crazy. Uh, and I'm really interested in Burn the Witch's world and lore because also there's there's like rules with dragons too. Like people, unless you work in Wingbind, you cannot interact with dragons. You can't touch fucking dragons. It can result in like a hundred year prison sentence or an execution. And um, so there's rules like that. So I'm interested in the lore. But that's Burn the Witch. So let's move into the two shows I've been uh, watching recently. So we'll start off with Yashihime actually, Princess Half Demon. Real quick to go over it. Uh, Yashihime is about the daughters of Shishomaru. So there's Toa and Setsuna, and then the daughter of Inuyasha and Kagome, who is Moroha. So it, it takes place in the feudal Japan setting, but it seems like in the beginning, when Toa and Setsuna were younger, it didn't seem like Shishomaru was around, like they were in the forest by themselves. So maybe like, and we don't exactly know, we actually don't know where any of the previous characters, a lot of the previous characters from Inuyasha are. Like, the first episode of Yashihime is mainly about the story of Inuyasha and the gang fighting this demon called Roothead that Kikyo had sealed a long time ago. And it kind of triggers this mystery because Roothead is kind of involved in stuff happening in Yashihime currently. I apologize for the sirens in the back. Yeah, sorry about that. But um, we, we get an episode like that, so it kind of is like, oh, look, the gang. You haven't seen them in a minute. But in like currently, uh, Setsuna and Toa, I believe they're they're 14. I think Moraha is a little younger than them, but uh, or she might be the same age and just looks a little younger. But um, what was I gonna say? What the fuck was I gonna say? <laughs> um, we we don't know where any of them are. Like we've seen Kohaku. He's an adult. He's kind of like the leader of like the Slayer group, the Slayer Corps. But um. We haven't seen Sango. Uh, we haven't seen fucking Kagome, Inuyasha, Sashomaru. None of them have really been like seen or even mentioned. Um, Kaede, like Kikyo's older sister, she's or younger sister. She's still alive. This old lady is this old ass lady is still alive, and I'm happy. I'm happy for her. How the fuck are you still living <laughs> at this point? Golly. But they're around and Kohaku's around and one of Sango and uh, Moroku's ki uh, kids are around. Uh, he's, he's, I believe, around the same age as Setsuna and he's a part of the Slayer team too and he has Araikos with him. But And Kirara's there, but it's just like Inuyasha, Kagome, Moroku. Is that his name, Moroku? Why am I forgetting my boy, Mor his name, the priest, <laughs> the monk? When Tonawa's nigga, I, I believe his name is Moroku, uh, Sango, even Shippo, like, none of them are present in the current time of the series, 
But, so we got that episode, and then when Setsuna and Toa were younger, they were, like, alone in the forest together, but they were, like, inseparable. Then some kind of fire happened. They got split up. Something happened with Tozai. She got thrusted into the modern age, and she was found by Kagome's older brother when she was four. And Kagome's other brother, at, or younger brother at this point, not older brother, I'm sorry. He's older. He's an adult now. And he took her in and raised her as her own, raised her as his own. And she's just been living there ever since. Now she's 14. She kind of gets into fights here and there. She's very uh, tomboyish. She likes to dress in what's called uh, more masculine outfits. She's just living her life. And niggas can't beat her ass because she's half demon. And of course they don't know that. But um, so that's how it's set up. I don't want to speak a lot on it yet, just because there's a lot of mystery with Yashahime, and they do it very quick. Like, they introduce you to that first episode where they show the gang and some kind of older episode, probably before the kids were born, and, you know, Moraha, Moraha Setsuna and Toa were around. It's probably before that. And then the next episode is about them, but it's like, damn, where the fuck everyone go? Like, and if you've been watching recently, you probably have questions Especially after what happened in, I believe it's episode 4, with the Tree of Ages. What the fuck was going on? Like, like I have a lot of questions. It's not like I'm watching the show and I'm just like, I'm confused about what's happening. It's more of like, it's setting up to be like, wait, what was that? Wait, what was that? It's leaving, you know, like this trail of just like, yeah, something's going on, but y'all don't know quite yet what's going on. So you're just as kind of like, lost as... Toa, Setsuha, Setsuna, and Moroha are, but I think that's intentional. You're kind of so because it's supposed to be about the kids, and I think so. I think I did that on purpose to like pressure, put the put the focus more onto the children rather than the parents. There's something going on, and some reason why the parents aren't there, but they haven't explained that yet. And it's gonna tie into the story, but I think it's a good thing that they did that because now it's pushing your attention to the kids so you can get to know them as characters. Uh, Setsuna is definitely more like Shishomaru. I guess in the time that her and uh, Toa got separated, she kind of like lost a lot of her memories, which makes sense because she was four when they got split up. So that was 10 years ago. And she eventually wandered into the town where Kaede, the little village where Kaede is, and she joins the, the Slayer Corpse. And she uses like a spear, she can do these cool little cyclone boasts attack. Like she, 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 she got the shit guns, guns on, and uh, she works with them. And then Moraha is like a bounty hunter. She's like a demon bounty hunter. Moraha's origins are kind of unique, though, if you really think about it. She's a quarter demon because she's the daughter of Inuyasha, but she also has spiritual powers because she's Kagome's daughter. So she has demonic energy and like kind of like this spiritual purification energy. So it makes her a very unique kind of character like fight-wise because that that's that's interesting too. Like Setsuna uses a spear. Like I said, she's more kind of like Shishomaru. Like she has these cool little techniques that you wouldn't really think about. Like, like oh, that's cool. Uh, and then Moraha, she uses a sword with kind of like this dragon gray nun and she can use this attack called Red Dragon's Ray. A wave or something like that crimson dragon wave uh in the most recent episode she used iron reaver and soul stealer and blades of blood so i thought that was pretty dope 
And uh, she also has a bow and arrow, so she can use like the sacred arrow stuff too. So I'm like, oh, that's a cool ass fighting style. And then you have Moroha, who's the most mysterious of them. She can seemingly, because uh, her sword broke in a previous episode, I'm not going to get too much into detail about what happened with it. But, um, so she still has the sword, like the broken sword. But when she draws it, she channels like her demon energy into it, and it makes like an energy blade. And she can. Swing it around like an energy sword, essentially, like a lightsaber, and uh, shoot blasts of energy out of it as well, so it's kind of neat. So they, they kind of each have their own unique like style of fighting. And uh, circumstances bring the three girls together, and Toa wants to go back in time, or back to the feudal age, because, you know, first of all, she wants to know more about herself, because she doesn't have full memories of what happened back then either, because she was four, and she's been living in the modern day so long. But she, you know, faintly remembers that stuff. And she remembers Setsuna, even though Setsuna doesn't remember her, really. And Setsuna also doesn't want to really believe or accept that Shishomaru is her dad. She's like, I don't know that nigga. Who the fuck is that? I don't care. She, She's very, like, you know, serious. She's very snitty. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's what her character's gonna be. But um, she wants to go back to learn more about that. And she also wants to help Setsuna, because seemingly Setsuna... Not seemingly. Setsuna can't sleep. She does not have the ability to sleep or dream. Due to the fact that I think it's called like a dream butterfly or something like that. Ate her ability to sleep pretty much. Or like her ability to dream. So Setsuna can't sleep. It's not like she gets tired or anything. She just can't fucking sleep. And as much as she does puts on a front like it doesn't matter. You can tell that she wishes she could. So Toa wants to do that for her. Because she feels like it's the least she can do. Because she feels like she abandoned Setsuna. And, and that still hurts her. And then Moraha is a little mischievous scamp. She <laughs> She's like, yeah, I'm in it for the... I'm out here trying to get this bread. I'm a bounty hunter. So Moraha's a fun character, though. I really like her. She's cool. She has a lot of aspects of uh, Kiki... Uh, not Kikyo. <laughs> I was going to say Kikyo. No. No one is like Kikyo. <laughs> Uh, she has a lot of aspects of Kagome and Inuyasha in her. You can tell it's kind of like this cool little funky mixture of the two things. So I, I think it's interesting. And um, with uh, Set, like I said, Setsuna is more of the Shishomaru type. And Toa seems to be more of like, so far like a standard MC. But she, she seems to, it seems like her journey through this season is going to be figuring out what she wants to do and understanding the world and understanding all these concepts because she's she's very honest she's very uh she can be very forgiving and while she's in the feudal era like even so far Setsuna and Moraha have been telling her and she's seen examples it's like dude you can't just forgive everyone you see you can't just be so gentle shit is rough out here demons is out here nigga it's killed or be killed <laughs> But yeah, a lot's going on. I don't want to give away too much. I'd say just watch it. If you watch Inuyasha, you'll probably enjoy it. I've been liking it so far. Also, one thing I can say that is so far keeping the tradition of Inuyasha, the opening is... Eh, it's okay. It's whatever. But that's how I always felt about all the Inuyasha episode openings, except for the final act opening. The final act opening is a fucking bop. Um... But the endings to Inuyasha always slapped. I don't know if y'all remember how fucking hard the Inuyasha endings went. Uh, Yashihime's Keeping That Tradition, the Yashihime ending song, so good. 
so good. Look it up. I think it's called Break, but you can just go on Google and type in Yashihime ending song. It's very smooth. It sounds like one of those old school like uh, Japanese like pop tracks or um, what's it called? City pop tracks. It sounds kind of like that a little bit. So it reminds me of a lot of like the Inuyasha endings. It's very like calming, but it's a good ass song. Uh, so that's all I gotta say about Yashihime. It's it's only five episodes in, so I can't say a lot, a lot yet. And like I said, I have a lot of questions, so I don't want to discuss it until I have at least a basic idea or theories about what's going on. So let's move into Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, I said this shit was gonna be more than an hour. It, it's it's definitely gonna be like almost two hours. Um, but Jujutsu Kaisen is a new anime that just recently came out. I've been hearing about Jujutsu Kaisen for at least a year or two prior to the anime coming out though. Online, uh, a lot of like the manga anime groups I'm a part of, there's been people talking a lot about it, bringing it up like, hey, have you guys read Jujutsu Kaisen yet? Have you guys checked this shit out? Seeing panels, uh, seeing some of the fights and some of like the crazier stuff that's going on. Just no context things happening. Uh, and I was always interested, but it's so, it's harder for me to find the time to read manga now just because being a grown-ass man with a job, it, it keeps you busy, and then I want to play games, and then I want to watch other anime, and then I want to watch movies, and I have to hang out with my girlfriend, and you know, you're you're an adult, you have to juggle your life, and I need to find a better balance, uh, so it's, it's hard enough for me to read the series that I keep up with, current, <laughs> and then, like, now you, now it's just like, fuck, pick up another series, so I'm glad Jujutsu Kaisen got animated, when I heard that it was getting animated, I was like, oh, dope, now I can actually, you know, check this out, uh, and then maybe at a later point read the manga too so I can get a feel for that. Um, Jujutsu Kaisen is five episodes? It's five episodes in. I think episode six comes out today as of this rec This is going up on Friday on the 6th. I'm recording on the 4th. I think it comes, I think episode five or six comes out as of this going up. If not, then it comes out on Saturday. But um, it's five episodes in, Mwah. already great, already fucking great. Um, I'm not trying to spoil a lot about it because I want people to experience it. I It's one of those series, like with Yashihime, I, I liked talking about it a little more just because it is a sequel to an already like completed series, it's a sequel to Inuyasha. So we can get into the details about that and the characters and what I feel like is going on. But with Jujutsu Kaisen, this is something kind of new on the scene uh, in terms of an as for an anime, and um, it's 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 really good. Like I don't want to I don't want to talk about it too much because I'll spoil it. But just know that the writing so far has been very good. The characters all feel very unique. They don't feel like they don't feel one dimensional. They they all seem to have some, have some layers to them. Even when at first, even if a lot of the time they feel like, oh, it's just this kind of character, you'll get scenes where you get, like, a different aspect to them, or, like, they'll say something, and it's like, oh, so it's deeper than that, and we're only five episodes in. Uh, so, just to talk about the world of Jujutsu Kaisen, we'll talk about the world, at least, without going into the story. So, in the world of Jujutsu Kaisen, uh, curses are a thing. There's these, there's curses in the world. And excuse me if I'm not giving a, as much detail as I should, I'm still very early into the world. I Eventually I'm going to become so obsessed that I'm just constantly looking up info about it. That's what I do when I fall in love with a series. But 
Uh, curses exist, and they are responsible for a lot of deaths that happen in the world. And curses form from a lot of negative emotions like anger, sadness, you know, depression, and stuff like that. That's how they form, and they can make these creatures that not a lot of people can naturally see. They can cause a lot of problems. These curses can evolve, and a lot of people die from them. So, of course, there's a lot of old curses around, especially in Japan, because it's just like, come on, dude, curses linger and they manifest over time. But there's a group of people that are called Jujutsu Sorcerers, and they use uh, Jujutsu to fight against these curses. And pretty much the way they do it is they fight curses with curses. So everyone, since you know every person is unique, each person has their own unique curse energy and can use these abilities to create like these, uh, their own like fighting style essentially, their own like curse fighting style. So every every character you're going to encounter in the world, as far as I've been like shown in the series so far, is going to have a set of powers that is unique to them specifically. Something that no one else is going to have. You're not going to be like, oh, I was trained in this under this person. It's more of, this is their fighting style. Like, uh, one of the main characters, one of the first ones we see, I'm not going to get too detailed, uh, he summons essentially kind of like Shigami or like these uh, spirits to fight with him, so I'll have like demon dogs. Uh, he had an Orochi, so like a snake. We saw uh, a frog, a bird, stuff like that. So he he essentially does like some summons, and uh, I don't know if he's going to do other stuff too, but already pretty dope. That's his ability unique to him. Uh, the, the female main character in their group, she got introduced in episode 3. Her power is completely fucking different. Like, it's not even the same. It seems more uh, voodoo-based. She has a little hammer and nails so she can fire those nails off by channeling them with her curse energy. So they float in the air and then she smacks them with the hammer and she can pin people. Uh, she can bind them to like dolls. So then she can do that and could potentially damage you through like the doll. We haven't seen a lot. We haven't seen a lot of her fight yet, but it seems more like voodoo based. So I was like, oh, that's that's dope. It's already like a major difference. Uh, People, I've seen some videos of people talking about the characters. There's like a second year that is at Jujutsu High who doesn't have any cursed energy of her own, but she's a master of using like anti-curse like weapons and tools because they there's, there's anti-curse weapons and tools that you can use to fight curses with. And she doesn't have cursed energy, but she's a, still a part of the, the organization like the Sorcerers because she's so good at using them and there's another character he's a another second year he only talks by describing like food ingredients or something like that that we've seen so far but his curse um from what little i've heard i haven't been trying to heavily spoil myself he uh his curse is based off words him speaking so that's probably why he limits his own speech there's a fucking panda i don't know what he does yet but he can fully talk and he's a second year so i'm already like what the fuck is happening and it's interesting as fuck and i know a lot of people have been mentioning the panda in the opening because in the opening when everyone's like you you know how openings are when the characters are flexing their abilities briefly the panda is just running across a rooftop to a parkour i was like yeah, what the fuck is this show but it's so intriguing so you, like we already see like a vast difference in abilities without even getting too much context so I'm, I'm, I'm like, yo, I'm invested. I'm invested. Uh, already because of the abilities. 
And then our main character is a very special case. And I don't want to spoil it, because it spoils the layout for a lot of what's going to happen in the main plot, it seems. And it's it happens in the first episode. This, this show, off the bat. I don't want to say it's fast-paced, because it's not as of yet. But it's happening. It's moving, you know? There hasn't been, like, a dull episode yet out of the five they've had. And I'm looking forward to it to an extreme degree. It... Ooh, excuse me. It definitely gives off vibes of like, this is going to be the next hit. And you can say, oh, it's too early to call. It's only five episodes in. That's just a testament to how like good I think this show is. Uh, I know I talked about Demon Slayer, but with Demon Slayer, before when I was talking about Demon Slayer last year, I had already watched like 12 to 15 episodes of that season by that point when I was talking about it. So I had a deeper understanding of Demon Slayer. And Demon Slayer blew up in popularity. Like, look at it. Even if you don't think it's the greatest thing ever, and the manga ended a few months ago, and I've heard mixed things about it, Demon Slayer blew up in popularity. The movie, Infinity Train, in Japan, has made more money than Dragon Ball Super Brawly, than, uh, I think it's like the highest grossing anime film. <laughs> like, it's made a lot of fucking money, is what I'm saying. So, Demon Slayer is still popular, even though that season ended a while back, and then that movie just came out, so I can't wait to watch the Infinity Train movie. Uh, I've been slowly reading the manga. I just need to take more time to read it. I'm currently on that arc. I'm still very early in on that arc. But eventually when I get the chance to watch the movie, I'm going to watch it. Because you know it's going to look great. The anime already looked great, so you know that movie's going to look... Mwah. Uh, <laughs> but, so, so with Demon Slayer, at least I had like more footing to say that with. That it was going to be a hit, and that I really liked it. And I do like it. And by the... I was talking about Dr. Stone and Fire Force then too, but those anime only had a couple of episodes out, so I couldn't fully describe them yet. Uh, Fire Force became very fast-paced, and I really liked the pacing. We're about to talk about that in a second, but because um, I, I can fully say I like Fire Force a lot more than I like Demon Slayer now, because I have a better full grasp of the Fire Force storyline now. I think by, when I was talking about Fire Force, I only watched like the first two or three episodes, because that's all that had come out. But when I watched Demon Slayer, I watched like the first 15 episodes. So it was a, it was a, you know, not a, a fair comparison. But with Jujutsu Kaisen, like I said, it's five episodes in, and it already has you deeply intrigued. It's already like laid out a lot of like, a lot of lore in the world. It's already laid out some characters. It's already shown off their cursed abilities. It's already shown off villains. It's already shown off kind of like the power tier hierarchy. It's giving you a lot of stuff, and it's done it in a very smooth way. It's not... There are, like, you know, some exposition dumps, but the characters make it interesting. Uh, the thing with exposition dumps is, if you're going to have them, you better make them interesting. Don't make them a boring, like, coffee talk, just, uh, coffee shop talk discussion. Don't make it like, yeah, let's just, you know, do a long monologue from a narrator or something. Like, you gotta, you gotta add some flair to it. You gotta add some style to it, and I feel like uh, Jujutsu has been doing that very well so far and it's creepy there's some heavily creepy moments in the show like it's not like oh fuck this shit is legitly so fucking terrifying like if you're used to like a lot of like kind of like horror and spooky stuff you're not gonna be like oh but there are moments where I'm just like well fuck like uh, in episode four oh my god there's there's a scene <laughs> just I shared it on my uh, my little Facebook story. There's a, it, I shared a clip of it. it. There's a scene where 
they realize they're in deep shit very fast. Like, things go south so fast. And one of them is just, like, the more experienced one is just like, yo, what the fuck? My demon dog should have told us that thing was a... And he looks at the wall, and the dog is just smashed against the wall, like, dead. And he's like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck, oh, fuck. Yo, we gotta get the fuck... He, like, turns to the other guy, and he's like, yo, we gotta get the fuck out of here now. We can look for... And then they just... He stops talking, and there's this shot of them both, like, looking at each other, but then looking over, like, their shoulder, and there's the face of this fucking curse. And it's, like, I was literally like, oh, fuck... It scared me. <laughs> and it's such a tense scene because they've already stressed how dangerous this curse could be. But they 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 were like, it doesn't seem to be in like its developed stages yet. It seems to be very early, kind of like an embryo thing. So their whole goal was to get in, survey the situation, see if there's any survivors, get the survivors out, leave. They weren't to engage the enemy, period, because they're not... They're not of sufficient strength to fight against a curse of that level, but they're like, the curse might not be fully developed yet. It fucking was. <laughs> so, so they were in some deep shit fast. So it, it's good, man. It, it keeps you at the edge of your seat. The action scenes that they've given us too, oh, very good. It's solid animation so far too. So uh, opening and ending are both bops. I know people like opening and ending songs. Oh, both bops. Both real good opening i've listened to constantly now and the ending is just such like a hey cool ass vibe like the opening fits the the vibe of the show perfectly uh and the ending is just a bop like <laughs> i i love that shit bro so please 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 i highly recommend you check out jujutsu kaisen if you've been on the fence about it check it out it's on crunchyroll I believe new episodes come out every Friday or every Saturday for it. I believe it's every Friday or every Saturday. I could be entirely wrong. But I believe it's every Friday or every Saturday. So, or Saturday. It's one or the other. It's not both. But um, it's very good. If you're a Shonen fan, you'll probably like it. If you're into, like, the supernatural stuff like myself, you'll probably like it. If you're into, like, supernatural shit or, like, story set in a city period, like me, that is kind of, like, my my weakness in terms of story setting or genre you'll you'll love this it's it's good and i i swear to you i know i like hype i don't want to hype this shit up because demon slayer did get overhyped i wasn't trying to overhype demon slayer when i was talking about it i was just like hey demon slayer is really good i'm 15 episodes in and i'm really having a good time with it and i like it and i did i i do feel like in hindsight i did kind of overhype it and i wasn't trying to but it's pretty fucking good i like demon slayer um, I'm trying to overhype this bitch, <laughs> or not overhype it, I'm trying to hype this shit up, because this shit is worth the hype, Jujutsu Kaisen is really fucking good, it's really fucking good, like, no bullshit, it's really fucking good, please go watch it, please go watch it, you know how I tell people to play Dragon Quest XI, Echoes of an Elusive Age, and especially Dragon Quest XI-S, Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition, the demo for those games are now out on PS4 and Xbox One, so if you didn't have a Switch, you can play the Definitive Edition of the game now, and I believe the Definitive Edition comes out in, like, December or some shit. Please play that demo. It's like a 10-hour fucking demo. Play it. Play it, play it, play it. Play Dragon Quest XI. Uh, that's what I'm saying about Jujutsu Kaisen. Watch Jujutsu Kaisen. It's fucking good. <laughs> so, um, 
we're gonna finally talk about Fire Force. <laughs> we're almost an hour to have in, and we're finally gonna talk about Fire Force. I'm sorry it's taken so long. I, as always, I misjudge how much I have to rant and ramble about topics. But this isn't going to be as much about you know checking in on the story of Fire Force since I last talked about it. Because the last time I talked about Fire Force, I was two episodes in, two or three episodes in. We're in season two. We're like getting to the last arc of season two right now so <laughs> big jump um all i want all i'm gonna say about it story-wise is mm, keep it coming it is so mm, it's hitting um but the reason why i wanted to talk about fire force more so has to do with talking about pacing of a story and aspects of like slow pacing or fast pacing or just because it's fast paced doesn't make it good or just because it's slow paced doesn't make it good the idea of payoffs, the idea of consistent momentum, uh, and why I disagree with, not all, not everyone is saying this, but there's a good population of people I've seen online saying, like, Fire Force is bad because it's too fast-paced, it's going way too fast, or Fire Force is bad because it's going too fast and it's not making enough sense, and, or shit like that, or it feels like they're just making shit up as they go along. I mm, highly disagree with that, and that's what I wanted to talk about. When it comes to that show. So when I did that uh, podcast episode about the idea of slow pacing or a slow burn kind of thing. The idea of those is uh, consistency. That's the main aspect. Uh, with, a, with a slow paced kind of story you have a build up throughout like a season until it gets to a critical point, And then that critical point boom and that's your payoff. And that's the idea of kind of like a slow paced series. You have to have a payoff at the end of the trail. It can't just be like, kind of like this slow paced build up, build up, build up, and then the payoff can't be like nothing that was important. Or if your payoff hits, you get to your payoff and it kind of doesn't feel like it was worth it. It's going to feel even slower or it's going to feel like a waste of time. At the same time, it kind of like a slow burn. You slowly get to that critical point and then it takes off. Uh, but basically the idea is e either if you're going to be paced slow consistently throughout the whole series or storyline, you want to have those moments of payoff. Pace, 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 payoff. Pace, 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 payoff. Stuff like that. Or but something that's like starting out very slow and then suddenly becomes a fast paced thing. The thing, the issue with that is once it becomes fast paced, you have to keep it fast paced either for the rest of the story or until like a big or a, a chunk of the, the story is concluded, like an arc in the story is concluded. Like if it starts off really slow, boom, takes off to be fast paced. You better conclude that storyline before you make it slow paced again. Like maybe if you're starting like a new storyline or a new chapter in that world, it can start off slower again. But until whatever you started is concluded, you better keep it coming at least to a, like a semi-consistent pace. And then there's stories that are just fast-paced throughout. And Fire Force is one example of that, at least for the anime. Maybe the manga is slower, I don't know. But I believe the manga comes out monthly, which is why it might feel a lot faster in the anime because within a span of a month, you get more pages usually in a manga chapter that comes out monthly. Like uh, weekly, you're gonna get anywhere between like maybe 16 to 22 pages. 
But with a monthly release, you can get anywhere between like 30-something to like 40 and maybe almost 50 pages, depending. Like Blue Exorcist, for example, is a monthly manga. Also, if you like Blue Exorcist, the manga mainly, um, I don't really like the anime, you'll probably really like Jujutsu Kaisen too. I don't get like full-on Blue Exorcist vibes, but it's it's like, you know, if you're into that stuff, you're, you're going to be into that. Uh, side note, but back to Fire Force. Um, you know, or with Blue Exorcist, they, they have longer chapters because it comes out monthly. So it gives him gives the, the, the author more time to flesh out a chapter. And also, you wouldn't want to wait a month and get a 18, 19 page chapter and then wait another month. That would fucking suck. It's like, damn, nothing really. <laughs> Gotta wait for this. You, you want like a, kind of like a page heavy chapter because you waited a month for it rather than like a week. And um, sorry about the motorcycle again. But um, I think Fire Force is a monthly manga as well. I could be wrong. But I think Soul Eater was too. And uh, Soul Eater and Fire Force have the same writer, same creator, uh, mangaka. Mangaka. <laughs> um, and you can tell, you, you could definitely get some uh, Soul Eater vibes off Fire Force. There was also a Soul Eater reference in the most recent episode of Fire Force. I don't know if you guys caught it, but there was a reference to Spirit talking about Maka. But they, they had different names, but you could tell it was him talking about it. Plus, they were in like. A little, you know, a little hostess club kind of thing. <laughs> Just like how Spirit would always be. So, I, I don't know if y'all caught that, but for my Soul Eater fans, I know y'all know. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably like a monthly release thing. So when you get to the anime, they can take that and make that arc that came out over the span of like months in like the span of weeks. And they can take those chapters that are longer chapters and make them like a single episode or a couple of episodes. Because a lot of the time it might be a lot of fights with some talking based into them and some dialogue. So it's not hard to condense those chapters into uh, a couple of chapters into one episode. It really isn't if you think about it. Which is why episode length is different from like manga chapter length. Like take uh, My Hero Academia Season 4. The overhaul arc was I think like a little over 40 chapters. It was pretty long. It was like half a season in season four of My Hero Academia, and they still adapted the entire story into that like what twelve to thirteen episode arc. It was it's because you chapter one chapter doesn't equal one episode, which is why sometimes you'll get like you know filler episodes so the manga can get ahead, or you'll have like stuff added to an episode, maybe some stuff taken out, like put around, combining chapters into an episode, shit like that. Basic knowledge. But um, Fire Force, I still feel regardless, Fire Force story does feel like it's a lot more fast paced. The thing about Fire Force is, it gets straight to the point. There, Of course there's moments where there's downtime, like you know those episodes after an arc concludes, but you get... Uh, more development or like context of a character in those episodes even like you learn more about somebody like recently they just finished a situation at Hajima Interest Industries and in Fire Force the episode following that um, was was a lot more chill overall but you learn a lot about some characters you learn you learn a good chunk about certain people uh, like like uh, Iris you know the sister and sh shit like that and so even when it is the chapters that kind of are episodes that bring that downtime, you're still learning something new. If it's not about the plot, it's about the characters. So you're getting 
development from those characters. There's nothing, like, wasted in a Fire Force episode, I would say. Maybe, like, the season premiere of season two. But that's just to, you know, bring you back in before we jump right back on it. Because it had been a, a gap in time. And the first half of the first episode of season two was action. It was like they were fighting a giant infernal. So... <laughs> So you got a good chunk of action, and then you kind of got, like, the chill vibes after. And then episode two, right back on track to what we were doing. And it, it, it's, it's great, dude. I, I like it. Now, people are saying it's too fast-paced. I've heard that since episode one. Or since season one, I'm sorry. When we got about, like, five or six episodes in, somebody was like, is it just me, or is Fire Force moving, like, way too fast? Like, this and that. And initially, you might think that's the case. Like, damn, this story is kind of going fast. As we've already gotten this, 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 and this. The thing that I find... The, the, the aspect of the story that I find makes that okay is the fact that they're consistently quickly moving. They're, they're moving quickly all the time. Like, there's, there's not a point where it's just like, damn, they was going, and now all of a sudden we just kind of stagnated or something like that. It's like they're going, 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 going. And you might find it hard to keep up, but I disagree with that too. I feel like they give you plenty of context between like the character interactions, what you're seeing on screen, the fights, what you're learning about things. So yeah, it's fast paced, but the story is written to be fast paced. So I don't see how that's an issue. You know, it's not just fast paced and then they're skipping over information so you're just kind of like confused about the storyline. I don't understand what about the storyline is confusing. Everything's pretty much laid out for you. And I think another uh, reason why it's moved, it's moving so fast paced is because it's not like the characters are learning to fight, you know, training up to fight. Like Shinra and Arthur, they do train, they do practice to improve. But you have to keep in mind, Shinra and Arthur aren't like kids they're not like teenagers they're not like 14 15 Shinra's was like 18 he graduated from the academy like he's a fire first soldier full-fledged like how old is Shinra? i'm pretty sure Shinra's like 18 or 19 years old they're not they're not kids so i i feel like that plays a part into it too because we're so used to a lot of especially shonen we're so used to characters who aren't of age okay i'm sorry he's 17 but you you get what i mean it's close enough to like the age of like that nigga is like an adult <laughs> like his next birthday he'll be an adult like in fact his birthday just passed in real world his birthday is on the 29th of october so it, it's one of those things like i i think shinra and arthur are like the youngest people in the group I, if shinra's 17 then arthur's probably definitely 17 uh let's check uh, yeah, Arthur's also 17. So it's just like, I wasn't too far off. I was like, they're probably like 18 or 19. Uh, his birthday's in July. Um, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? They're like, the, they're, they're the youngest. They're fresh out of the academy, but they went to an academy. Like, they trained to be fire soldiers. It's not like we're seeing their lives in the academy training up, so we need more context and more episodes and kind of like a slower-paced thing. It's not like these untrained kids immediately jumping into this major plot. They already trained and earned, you know, kind of like the status and the credentials to work in this field. 
and now they're uncovering this plot as they're on their job. So it's just like, we can just go straight into it. Of course, they're going to practice and train because they're still young and have room to improve. But it's not like they're children. It's not like it's not like Naruto Part 1. You know, in Part 1 of Naruto, they're like 12, 13. And yeah, they're getting, but they're still children. So it's like they're doing like the basic missions to train their way up, the tune-in exams to test to see if they can move up in the ranks to become higher rank ninja, stuff like that, that requires them to have more episodes because they're constantly training in the art of the shinobi. A Fire Force soldier is a Fire Force soldier. Of course they can get stronger through practice, but also you have to remember that their pyrokinesis is not like the same as everyone else's. Everyone else, every like uh, person that has pyrokinesis or is like, you know, a second gen or a third gen, use their abilities in different ways. Second gens can only control fire. They can't create their own, but they still use it in different ways. You, like with Maki, she seemed more as like a witch and she has her little sputter and, <laughs> uh, sputter and putter and all that shit. And then she has like the units that she can put them into to like enhance her firepower when she's doing her physical combat. You have the Lieutenant who's second generation, but he uses his abilities to control flames to control the direction of his bullets when he fires from his gun. Then you have third generations who have their own unique fire abilities. Like, take Shinra for instance. He can shoot flames out of his feet. This drastically improves his speed, his kicking power, and he can essentially fly. Arthur is a third generation, but his powers are drastically different. He can channel essentially plasma into like that hilt in, of his sword and create a plasma blade. So, what the fuck? <laughs> You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's just like, they already have their established abilities. From here on, all they have to do is continue to grow through the field. So I think the idea of already having the characters kind of aged up to close enough to being adults, or just in general being adults, because Maki is in her early 20s, right? Or Maki's 19. Okay, my bad. I, I said early 20s. Uh, yeah, Maki's 19, Iris, Iris is probably around that age then, Iris is 16, oh shit, I was drastically wrong about <laughs> Iris, April 10th, Iris is an Aries, that's interesting, but you get what I mean, um, a lot of the time you have kids focused on being, uh, 15 and 16 like Iris, but they're in school. And then the supernatural stuff comes on. So then it's kind of like a learning experience and a growth experience. Whereas in Fire Force, it is a learning experience and it is a growth experience. But again, at the same time, these characters are kind of old enough and close enough to adult age starting out that we can already just move things along. It's not like, oh, we got to explain all of this because you guys are young or you got to do all... Like, they know already. So there's no point in having these slower paced earlier episodes going into detail about one topic. We can just get into the meat and potatoes of the story, which is what's going on with the evangel evangelicalists. Evangelicalists, oh my God, the enemy. <laughs> uh, we can get on to going on what's up with the corruption in the church. And we can learn about people's backstories, and we can learn about the Fire Force captains, and we can learn about, you know, Joker. Oh, Joker's great. Um, shit like that. 
So it's it, it's not a time waster, bro. It's not. A lot of shonen will take that time to give you that gradual pacing in before we get to the major points. And I think one of the issues people are trying to form with Fire Force is we're not getting that gradual buildup into those major points. We're just getting kind of like a sub-major point into a sub-major point into a major point. But how is that an issue? A lot of people complain about series, like sh especially Shonen series, taking too long to get to the point. But when it comes to Fire Force, that's a bad thing that they're not taking their time. They're, they're not like going slow to get to the point, that they're getting straight to the point. That's a bad thing now. I don't get it. And I don't understand when they say it's going too fast and they're not really explaining shit. They are explaining shit. We know Shinra is a third generation with his pyrokinesis. We know what happened to Shinra as a kid and we know why he wants to become a fire soldier due to what happened to his family. We know Burns knows more than he lets on. We know Burns is powerful as fuck. We learn about the evangelicalists very early in and their ties to the church, especially in season two. And then we learn that Shinra ha has an Adela burst which is a special kind of flame thing. I'm not gonna get too deep into it if you guys haven't watched Fire Force. But people say like that was revealed way too early and I'm just like, but why was it revealed way too early if the Adela Burst is going to be kind of like the main concern for most of the story? Because especially in season two, when we find out that uh, the Sukuyami units, or the Susano units, I'm sorry, uh, is that what is or Susan? Now I'm just naming Naruto techniques. <laughs> what is it called? The Amaterasu. <laughs> it's one of those things. I feel stupid for not remembering. Um, give me one second. Oh my god. Yeah, uh, essentially a Matarasu. Pretty much those those units that the big ass thing that powers Tokyo. Each one is uh, powered by someone with an Adela burst. They have enough firepower to create that much energy. So that person is inside of that thing, powering all of Tokyo. And <laughs> so it, it's one of those things where it's just like that's fucked up. But it's not like we didn't have enough context about what an Adela Burst was to not understand that. That wasn't like so far out of left field. We learned that Shinra has an Adela Burst, which is why he has so much firepower. And which is why he's so naturally strong and how he can do these abilities to move like at light speed eventually. Like we saw in the end of season one and uh, during uh, one of the situations that happened during season two. We find out that there are several Adelibers and that the Evangelicalists want to collect these and essentially use them to recreate the Great Cataclysm, which destroyed the world way back in the day. And why they want to do that, we don't know. But that's what they want to do. So what have we already established here? Adelibers are really fucking powerful. They have enough energy to power a city, maybe even multiple cities. Uh, and that's what's used to, that's actually what's used to power the city, someone with an Adeliverse. The Evangelicalists have old ties to the church. How deep it goes, we don't know. The gods of the church and the Holy Temple of Soul could be false for all we know. And it's looking like that they are. And they're also collecting Adeliverse for specific purposes. 
to trigger the Great Cataclysm. So each one of these people that possesses an Adola Burst are called a Pillar. That wasn't that difficult, right? There's a world where people can spontaneously combust. We don't know why they're doing it yet. This is just me explaining the basic plot in the beginning. That's what happens. There was a great fire back in the day. Society rebuilt itself. People are spontaneously combusting. That's why fire support soldiers are there to put those people to rest and protect people from the dangers of infernals. Shinra is a third generation. He can create his own flames. Second generations can control flames. First generations are the people who have uh, the threat of being able to spontaneously combust. If you're second gen or third gen, you don't have to worry about that. Okay, you follow me? <laughs> Shinra possesses something called an Adola Burst, which means he has an incredible amount of power and he can connect through other people with Adola Burst through an Adola Link. So Adola Link, Adola Burst, duh. These, this firepower is substantial enough to power a whole city which is what is powering the city currently. Someone with an Adelaide <laughs> The Evangelicalists are these crazy, evil, kind of church-like people who go around forcing people to spontaneously combust, and they are searching for the other Adolabers known as Pillars. Shinra is one of the Pillars. There's other Pillars. There's a lot of Pillars that are actually currently in the possession of the Evangelicalists, voluntarily, it seems. And... They want to use them to create enough firepower to cre recreate the Great Cataclysm that destroyed the world back in the day. What is confusing about that? It goes from point A to point B. World got burned. People have firepowers. Some people spontaneously combust. Fire Force stops them. There's people with super crazy firepowers. Bad guys want them to, do, to destroy the world again. Very fucking straightforward. Very fucking straightforward. So I don't understand within the pacing of the story that you are getting this idea of like they're not explaining shit. Because they are. And they explain it very well. Uh, better than a lot of other series I'd say. There's still mysteries of course because they want that air of mystery in the series. But it's not hard to gather these concepts. You don't have to just like I need to do additional research. It's just like oh well that was straightforward. Fire Force is very fast-paced and very straightforward, I'd say. And again, I don't understand what what about it being fast-paced makes it bad. Please explain that. What about it being fast-paced makes it bad? Because I'm not I'm not getting that vibe off of it, honestly. And I'm probably going to get more ranty and rambly if I keep going with it, but even still, um, there are stories that are way too fast-paced and then become a problem because they're, they're moving so fast that they're not explaining things to you. It's going so fast that you're just like, well, wait, what just fucking happened? Well, wait, can you explain that? And they assume that you're supposed to understand it through the context of what happened, but the context of what happened happened so quickly, you don't understand what fucking happened. So maybe it should take the time to give you a little explanation, but then it doesn't. With Fire Force, it still takes the time to give you that explanation while pushing the story forward. It does both those things. We learn about Adela Burst through watching the story, and the story continues to move forward. 
the objective is to stop the evangelicalists from getting all the the evangelist the enemy <laughs> i can't talk today from getting the pillars and destroying the world that's 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 the mission they're essentially on now while working as fire soldiers and fighting against the infernals there's a lot of corruption going on too but that's not hard to follow either because it links up with what's happening with the enemy it all links together it all goes back to this point of like the adela burst are very important so to say that they don't make sense or to say it just came out of nowhere that's like no it didn't though <laughs> you see it is essentially it was built up it was built up very quickly but it was built up they they left you the information and the hints to put that stuff together and then revealed it to you and you're like oh okay it all links up i learned as much about fire force as you kind of need to know to understand the basic outline of the lore and the plot within season one so season two with them adding like new information is just adding on new layers to concepts that have already been established so it's not like oh this doesn't make sense i've seen people say fire force sucks this doesn't make any sense and it's just going really fast and not doing anything that's fucking bullshit <laughs> like, you're just not paying attention I don't know why you want 30 episodes of nothing fucking happening and things being slowly explained and spoon-fed to you. But this series is not gonna do that. That's it's not it's not for that, bro. It's probably not for you. And I'm just gonna end it there, bro. Uh Fire Force is I think Fire Force is solid. I was gonna say Fire Force is great. I think Fire Force is great. If you don't like Fire Force, perfectly fine. If you don't like any of the shit that I've mentioned that I like perfectly fine. If you like Food Wars, the final plate, even though I didn't, that's perfectly fine. This is just me explaining or expressing my opinions. I'm not going to go into detail every time I bring up something that I like and I hate and say, no, if you disagree, but at the end of it all, it's okay if you disagree. What I'm saying is the point has to come from somewhere that makes sense. Maybe you do like a more casual paced anime. And this is moving, Fire Force is moving too fast for you. That's okay. Then you go watch something slower paced or more enjoyable to your taste. That's a taste thing. But to say it's bad because it's fast paced, you need to explain what is wrong with the fast pacing. Is it not explaining enough for you? Which it is doing. It is explaining everything while still moving. Which can become a problem with certain stories. Like, you know, a fast paced story will go too fast and doesn't explain anything. Or a slower paced story is explaining stuff, but it's going too slow. They're like repeating concepts. You already understand. You don't need a 30 minute episode to explain one point. You know what I'm saying? So you, you have to break that down or your point is invalid. And then I'm going to call you out on that point, which is what I'm doing with Fire Force. That, that makes no sense. You know, I feel like you're missing out. <laughs> I'm not trying to be an asshole about it or Elias, but it's just like... Come on, man. <laughs> Maybe you don't like the characters. Maybe you don't like the, the overall plot of it. You know, that's fine. That's a different thing. I don't like Shinra because of X, Y, and Z. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. I don't like this show because I don't like the, the, the fan service that comes out of it. Perfectly fine. Perfectly fine. This story moving too fast and it's not explaining nothing. I don't like that because that's objectively false. It's explaining stuff to you 
very well, I, I would say. It's doing a good job at laying out its world. It's not the greatest story on Earth, in my opinion, but it is laying out the storyline for you, and that's what's keeping me intrigued, too, as well as the fights. And I think the characters are developing very nicely. Everyone has grown a good little chunk currently in Season 2 than they were from Season 1. And we're learning more about characters. I believe we're going to learn about a little more about my girl Maki in the next upcoming episode, and I love Maki, so we stand that buff girl. Uh, so... <laughs> We, we're gonna see see what happens with that. We got a little more into Arthur's backstory, just a tad, you know, kind of like the origins of why he likes to play knight. And that was kind of fucking heartbreaking to see poor Arthur. Uh, but it gets into psychological things. Like, it's a good show, man. I say give it another shot. If you watch like the first few episodes and you're like, this is going too fast. You, you gotta You gotta watch it, dude. You, it's not just something it, it's not a general showing where you can just turn your brain off for a couple of episodes for the plot gets serious because the plot's going from the start there's already things being laid out so you do have to pay attention to it i would say okay but but that's it i'm gonna keep rambling if if i keep going with that um so in conclusion i don't i didn't like the conclusion of food wars sorry uh burn the witch can't wait to see more of it. Please make more Burn the Witch. It was intriguing. I recommend watching the anime episodes. Uh, watch them as a movie. Just watch all three. Um, Yashihime, I got a lot of questions, so we're going to let it simmer. We're going to let it marinate before I give like full, full thoughts. But I am watching it, so there. that's something that I'm at least intrigued enough to continue. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen is fucking great. Please, please watch it. For the love of God, please watch it. Please watch it. Please watch it. <laughs> and Fire Force pacing, um, fast-paced story, but very good fast-paced story. This is fast pacing done right. So, and this is coming from someone who does enjoy slower-paced stories more than fast-paced stories usually. Fire Force is just keeping that consistency. That's, regardless of pacing, the one thing you gotta keep true and keep going is consistency you have to consistently be consistent with your storyline and fire force is nailing that in my opinion so that's it that's all i have to say about that next week i'll talk about the crown tundra i haven't explored every little secret of the crown tundra i know there's a lot of little special events you can do in there too with certain characters um but i'm gonna play more of it i already finished the main story of it but um there's still you know plenty i could do so i'm gonna fuck with it some more every now and then and we'll talk about Crown Tundra next week and maybe some other stuff, but that's about it for this week. I hope you guys have a good Friday. I hope you guys have a good weekend and I will see you next time. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. Oh's man, 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 oh's man,
Pose man, pose man, pose man, I pull up in that old jet. Pose